Pittard Sports is part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check out Six Pack Coverage on Instagram, Twitter, and all other social media platforms, as well as their website, sixpackcoverage.com. Welcome to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Reese Bennett. We got Nick Trucial out of town for this pod, so it's just the two of us. But uh, Reese, how's your weekend, man? My weekend was good. I mean, it. You know, I'm blessed, so I can't complain too much. But of course, you know when it's you know in the winter season, December uh, around Christmas time, nobody's really working too hard. You're not doing school or anything like that, and everyone just likes to watch some football on the weekends. And of course, that's what I did. And, of course, I'm going to watch the Titans, and I don't even know if we need to get into this right now, but my weekend was okay, but the Titans, they're breaking my heart, man. Yeah, we'll get into that, get into that later for sure. But, dude, I went to uh, Atlanta this past weekend, and on the way back, had my first Bucky's experience. Oh, you, wow. See, I Bucky's is, in my heart, probably the greatest store on earth. I love Bucky's. Yeah, because there's a bunch in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. It started in Texas, and that's where most of them are. Tennessee is getting one in between Nashville and Knoxville, I believe, in Crossville. Yeah, they're putting one in Crossville. So Golf capital of the that. state, by the way. Yep. Um, People so, forget. So, what did you think? What'd you get? Um, so I got I got some beaver nuggets. Got a bag of beaver nuggets. Felt like I needed Have to. to. Have I also, to. I also went to the bathroom, which was probably the most impressive thing about oh. the entire store. Yeah. So for the for the listeners who don't know, Bucky's. It's a gas station, but they've got like a hundred pumps, and then the actual store is huge. Is the only way I can really describe it. You walk in and it's just way bigger than it needs to be, but also it's awesome. So one of their things is their bathrooms are soup are huge and super well kept. There was a guy in there basically cleaning all of them, like as people are yeah. using the bathroom and everything. And then they have all their own kind of snack brands of snacks, whether it's, you know, Madison, my wife, she got some saltwater taffy. I got the beaver nuggets. I got a brisket sandwich because I just was like, oh, oh, it's so good. That's the other thing. They make chopped, a lot. chopped brisket. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they make they make a lot of their own food there. That's what there are people. I mean, the place was packed. Oh, too. it's oh, my God. It was Saturday night at like 9 p.m. And it was packed inside there. And they had they had all kinds of different food. They have granite countertops and stuff. Oh in my there. god! They have I know. all like furniture type stuff. The clothes, like yeah, yep. you can literally buy almost anything at Bucky's. I've bought windshield wiper fluid there because I needed it. Now, granted, a lot of gas stations have that, but you know, if you need to stop somewhere on a road trip or just to get regular gas or to even grab lunch or breakfast, Bucky's is the place to go. That's the thing. Even if you don't need gas, you just need a snack, some lunch. Hey, yeah. they're gonna they'll hook you up there. I mean. They make their own like fudge and candy. They have a massive jerky area where they. That's what I wish I would have gotten some jerky because I hear yeah. I hear their own jerky is pretty world famous as well. Mm-hmm. You can get burritos and tacos and burgers and corn dogs, like literally anything. It's the most incredible store on the face of the planet. And you're right, they are always busy. It does not matter when. They're definitely about to put. So they're putting one in Crossville. They're going to put Cookville out of business. I think. Because Cook, when if you drive from Nashville to Knoxville, Cookville is kind of that like, oh hey, we're almost to Cookville. Yeah. We'll stop there. Mm-hmm. They got all the restaurants and stuff. You throw that Bucky's in Crossville. 
Crossville's the new Cookville. Oh, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Yeah. If you're on a road trip from Nashville to Knoxville or just on I-40 in general, you are going to stop at Bucky's. Yes. They're, they might have to put two there to like hold all the uh, business they're going to get. And apparently there's one in, I think there's one in Sevierville right now. But obviously if you're, you're not passing through there, if yeah. you're just going from Nashville to Knoxville right But did now, you get but. gas? How are the gas prices? Because in Texas, the gas prices at Bucky's are almost always better than anywhere else. See, I didn't even need gas. Yeah. We'd we, fill, we had filled up already, but I was like, we, we, we had gone to part of Madison's family. They, they did their Christmas a week early, so we were there. And then I think we filled up right as we left, pretty much. We needed some gas, but I knew... I mean, it was the end of my day. I was just driving home, so I was like, "We got to stop at Bucky's." Yeah, I've never been. I'm not gonna not go. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Like honestly, I would spend a weekend just driving to go to see Bucky's. I would do that. That would make my weekend great. So it's gonna turn into. I think it's gonna turn into that for me. Uh, when because I'll do the the Nashville to Knoxville and won't stop. I'm not a big. I'm, I'm a big. Oh yeah, straight shot. Yeah, I'm like let's let's get there straight shot. But now it's like yeah, you're there's, a, there's a Bucky's now. in Crossville. I'm going to stop just to stop. Mm-hmm. I won't even need anything. I might not need gas, and I might not be that hungry, but I'm going to stop Yeah, Bucky's. No, <laughs> no I've, been, I've been to Bucky's probably two dozen times at least. And I've sometimes I don't even have to stop. And sometimes I'm not even hungry, like you said. And I've stopped there just to, like, walk inside and be a part of Bucky's. <laughs> like, even if I'm it. grabbing, like, one thing, like a bottle of water, I will stop because I love Bucky's that much. And you're right. It's super clean. Super well kept. The shelves and everything, they're always fully stocked. Like, I don't know if you went over the snack section, but it's like, a, oh, yeah. It's beautiful to look at because, like, every hook or whatever, it's always filled. Like, the chips are always full. Like, it's incredible. And they're so nice in there. Like, they'll help you with anything. And, oh, my God, it's an incredible operation. Well, and it's so tempting because, like I said, they have their own brand of pretty much everything. Like, I, I, got, the, I got the brisket sandwich, Madison got the taffy. But then you go over there and they have a whole wall of their own candy of gummies and stuff. Oh my like God. I, I, you want to get one of everything when you walk in there. And I think next time I go, I probably will. I'm well, just going to get one of everything. Well, you kind of get starstruck because there's so many options. You like don't know what oh, to yeah. get. Like I've spent like 20 minutes walking around just trying to decide what I want. Exactly. I, that's so what I, I went in there thinking, all right, I'm going to get some beef. I knew I was going to get some beaver nuggets just because I had heard. And they were pretty good. I, I wouldn't say they were... I don't know. They weren't insane. I, I'm not. I'm not a big good. Beaver Nuggets guy. I know people yeah. love them, but I, you know, it was kind of like if you combined a corn pop and it's, like it's like a it's like a pirate's booty that's kettle corn flavor. Yes, kind of. Actually, that's the best way to describe right? it. I think if you because it's, that, had it's that. that texture, you know, mm-hmm. a little sticky but kind of a pork rindish material. Yeah. Pirate's booty, like you said, it's a puff. I think. Yeah, it's a puff for sure. But and then just the logo of Bucky's, like you might have to put this in our like weekly Instagram post. Like you might need to put the Bucky's logo. Oh, in I the will. Photo. I'll, yeah, I'll have to throw it in there. Well, and that's the other thing. And people they have a are, statue of Beaver outside. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> they have a they have a Beaver outside, and people buy the merch. That's what's awesome about it. People like oh, I know. Everyone gets it when you and you'll see it on people's Instagram or Snapchat stories. If they go to Bucky's, they'll they'll let it be known. Yeah, the merch is incredible. I'm sure they had. Did they have Christmas merch? I'm sure they did. Yeah, a little bit. Because on Independence yeah. Day or anything like that, they have like Fourth of July Bucky's flavor T-shirts or button downs or whatever. You know, it's all designed around the Beaver and the holidays or whatever summertime. But God, I love Bucky's. 
for all of our listeners who probably a lot of you live in Tennessee, you got to go to Texas because one, Texas is great. Or you can go to Georgia, Atlanta, whatever. You just got to go to Bucky's. And when you do, well, you'll see why. And I know a couple people that are like Bucky's haters are like, oh, it's just a big gas station. Well, no. you can keep hating, you know, because you're stubborn and you just want to be the opposite of everybody else who loves it. That's fine. Hey, if you don't want, if you don't want to hit up Bucky's, more, hey, more easier, for us. <laughs> less of a line for me. So good deal. Mm-hmm. I'll take that all and day. And the great thing about it is, you know, for us regular civilians, you know, driving our cars and whatnot, they don't allow big trucks there. So it's not like a truck stop. It's a, it's a trucks or is that how it is in Atlanta? Yeah. So I was okay. going to say that's what that's what's funny is I was pulling in and right across the street was a Loves mm-hmm. and Loves is kind of the that's kind of the upper echelon of gas stations and I'm thinking, man, how is Loves staying in business with a Bucky's right across the street? But that's what I'm sure all the truckers yeah. go to Loves across the street. Yeah, and a lot of people like let their dogs out and play around at Bucky's too. I think they they're a dog friendly place. Well, and for the people who still who still can't picture it necessarily, the size of this place, there's there's an entrance on like three different sides and a full parking lot. Oh, not just the massive, gas pumps, like a full massive. parking lot. I mean, it's it's almost like it's I don't even know. It's probably three quarters the size of your normal Target, and it's a gas station. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, kind of like three that. quarters. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that because I was gonna say. I was trying to describe it to someone at work today who's from, she's from New York, so she doesn't get the hype. Or she, I don't even think she knew what Bucky's was. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't even have gas stations up there. Right, really. exactly. Nobody drives a car. She, she goes, oh, that's, that's kind of like Wawa up in New York. And I was like, no, no. I was like, not the same. I was like, you're just comparing it to a gas station. Like, this is a gas station on steroids on steroids. Oh my God, it's beautiful. I mean, you could... It probably wouldn't be cost effective, but you could probably do your grocery shopping at Bucky's if you wanted to. No, you to. could. You totally could. And I bet people do. Yeah. Because that's what people were parked in the parking lot, just going inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And in the summer when we in Texas would, you know, go to the river, or like go on a weekend trip, we would like stock up on beers and, you know, ice or whatever you need from Bucky's because they have everything. Yeah. God, it's great. We'll we'll get into, you know, it would be awesome as if one of these college guys got an NIL deal with Bucky's. Now that that would be that would be a deal and a half. Yeah, I would I would do that because I would just like want to have my face and my merch in a Bucky's. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. how much merch you can move if you're a big time they college would, player at Bucky's? They would push it in. Bucky's. Oh yeah, they would throw. Yeah, like imagine sure. if Hendon Hooker had merch at Bucky's in Crossville. He would probably that be something, a multimillionaire. That is something to look into. Dang. But anyway, so speaking of NIL and college guys, we did have early signing day. Last week, always fun. Signing day is always a fun time. It's just you, you never know what's going to happen. You're always expecting some kind of crazy story or weird occurrence to go on. But uh, Reese, what were your kind of first or maybe major thoughts of early signing day? Well, signing day is great, especially the early one. It, like, not that there's a lull in college football at that time, but it's in between like the uh, championship games for the conferences and before the bowls kick off. Um, and it's just like a time where teams who are doing well, they get excited about the next year and teams that maybe are not doing so well, they didn't have a good season. Like you have something to be excited about and I'm not hitting on Nebraska, but like Nebraska didn't have the season they wanted to best three and, uh, nine team or whatever it was of all time. But 
for you, it probably was an exciting day because you can look forward to the next season and say, hey, look, we got these guys that are going to play for us next year. We're going to be better. So I love signing day, and I especially loved it this year because Texas A&M absolutely went off. Jimbo Fisher has done incredible things so far for the class of 2022. Like, I, I mean, I can get into it more, but it, I, I was excited on signing day for sure. Well, and I think Jimbo had the quote of the weekend talking about NIL and everything. He oh, said, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. He said, man, we used to pay these guys all the time. Now we can do it and get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. Like, like that. He's he, like, he said something like, you better believe, you know, people were getting paid and stuff before this, but now it's just legal. Yeah, he's like, know? now we can let everyone know about it, which yeah. is so true. And on, I mean, hey, good for Jim. Jimbo's, he's warming up to me a little bit. I used to kind of think he was a little slimy, but I, I, think, I think I'm in on Jimbo, especially A&M. So, yeah, and I, of course I love Jimbo and especially now when there was a little bit of well I've I've loved him ever since A&M signed him. There was a big thing, you know, when we got rid of Sumlin and then we were like, "Wow, who's going to be our next coach?" And Scott Woodward, who's now the AD of LSU, he was at A&M at the time, and Scott Woodward pulled Jimbo away from LSU and there's the famous picture that led to like all the media hype around it of Jimbo's Christmas tree uh in the trash on his streets down at Florida State. So that's when we knew, like, oh, Jimbo's coming to A&M. And I love Jimbo. I mean, I, what I was getting to is, you know, there was talks this football season a little bit when the, the news broke about Coach O getting fired. He's going to be done at the end of the season. All these LSU people and people in the media were like, oh, uh, they're going to go after Jimbo and Jimbo's going to leave. Well, Jimbo dispelled those rumors, maybe not as clearly as some A&M fans would have liked, but he dispelled them. He said, no, I'm staying here. I would be an idiot to go to LSU. Why would I go to another team in my conference when I've recruited all these guys? And then look what he did on National Signing Day. He gets the number one class in the nation. He said he was going to do that, too. I remember when they were asking him about it. He was saying, guys, we're going we're gonna to have a really good class this year. <laughs> I would be the dumbest guy on earth to recruit all these guys and then have to go play them yeah. every year. But so I'm I'm looking at the rankings right now, just kind of the so the 2022 obviously this is 24/7 sports rankings and kind of top four nothing super surprising you got A and M Bama Georgia Ohio State then number five comes in you got Texas yeah obviously well and I'm sure they have one five star and I, I assume that's Quinn Ewers right the transfer or do you think that no includes? I don't think that counts him oh okay. Let's see. No, oh, I know they do. Okay, so they've got the, a guy. The one five-star they have is a Kelvin, offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, Kelvin Banks. He's a five-star. But so, you know, kind of someone who sneaks in there. Penn State's coming in at six. Notre Dame, seven. North Carolina, yeah, eight. Yeah. Something to – two five-stars going to North Carolina. Yeah. That's just a weird – I mean, hey, Mac Brown. Mac Brown was a good recruiter when he was down in Austin. But then how about this? So – I mean, obviously, SEC, so top three spots go to the SEC with A&M, Bama, Georgia. And I guess if you want to throw in Texas now at five, you got a bunch in there. But then, and then Oklahoma at 10. Not super surprising there. I'm sure they had some guys decommit, obviously, but, with I mean, Riley gone. But for them to stay within the top 10 after Lincoln Riley's departure is pretty impressive. Oh, it's great. I think it's really good, especially for Venables. I think Venables would do all right. I'm interested to see how Oklahoma is these next few years. But then, how about this? So the next two SEC teams, after 
uh, A&M, Bama, Georgia, and I guess if you want to throw in Texas and Oklahoma, you can, is Kentucky at 11 and Missouri at 12. Two teams you do not think to see, I feel like, at least. Maybe maybe in I, – I could definitely see them in the top 25 yeah, just because yeah, of the yeah. SEC. Maybe top 20 and maybe like 15, 14 at best. But when you start getting into 11 and 12, I mean, right Kentucky – cusp of top 10 they both have five stars yeah they both have five star commits yeah and they almost have i mean kentucky with eight and missouri with seven four stars like they're almost like getting to 10 four stars and this is the early signing period very impressive from those two teams from a traditionally like not traditionally but recently down sec east minus georgia and florida yeah, and it's it, it's crazy to scroll through these and really count out all the SEC teams because right after Kentucky and Missouri, you have Auburn. You know, no real surprise there. Tennessee at fifteen. Heupel didn't. I mean, that's Tennessee fans were pumped to be fifteen. Yeah, you know, and they should be. I mean, I think I mean fifteen is a great spot, yeah. especially for going seven and five. After Head all, coach the, had his first year. After all the turmoil, you know, with I'll go back to Derek Dooley, and then you had the Butch Jones, which they got hot for a while and didn't work, and then the Jeremy Pruitt mess. And then for them to have a pretty good season this year and then bounce all the way up to 15 in the recruiting rankings is really good. Right. And then here, here comes LSU at 19, Arkansas 20, South Carolina 21, 23 Mississippi State, 25 Ole Miss. I mean, it's up and down. Everyone's in there. And even Ole Miss at 25 is nothing to shake your head at because, you know, you got Lane Kiffin there. He's not only... A little shocking, though. I would have expected them to be higher. I would have expected a little higher, but I think sometimes you have to take into account a lot of these schools, at least like Ole Miss, like you have schools like Bama, A&M, Georgia are going to get the five stars, high four stars, and it's going to be guys they want. Once you go down, once you start going down the rankings a little bit, you find teams like Ole Miss and Tennessee not only are chasing stars at that point, but also finding guys that they like that fit their system. They might end up being a lot of three-star guys and maybe even a two-star every now and then, you know. So, Well, and, and oh, I just looked at Ole Miss, for example. Ole Miss already has two transfers they're getting, too. One from Carolina and one from uh, the other team. I just had it pulled up, but... So a lot of those teams who may not be, you know, top ten, they're going to get some transfers from other schools because with the transfer portal, it's pretty easy to do that. So yeah, they have a transfer from Auburn and a transfer from South Carolina going to Ole Miss. Well, and something else to take into account as well with the transfer rules and with the COVID year happening and everything. So like Nebraska, for instance, didn't do great. Uh, regardless of how you spin it. However, they, they did move up like 30 spots since a few weeks ago. Well, that, that's, ended up- that's, that's big, even though they might not be where you would like them to be. Moving up 30 is good. Right. But so they didn't have even 20 scholarships to give out this year, you know. So be, because of they had guys transfer in, and they're planning on having you know more guys transfer in, as well as now you have guys coming back for six years due to COVID and everything. So I, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I mean, A&M had, what, 27 commits. So that's pretty normal. Bama, 24. Georgia, 26. But then Ohio State comes in with only 18. I think the days of everyone getting 25 to 30 commits might be kind of on the way out, especially just with guys being able to transfer. Well, and, you know, 
you can get you can make money at any place. Yeah. So you're not just going to go to like the best teams in the you know Power Five. If you if you're a guy who you know, well, I guess Cincinnati is going to move to a different conference within the Power Five. But say if you're a guy who's an Ohio guy, but you you know you're not going to play immediately at Ohio State or whatever, go to Cincinnati and you can make money there, even though it's not a traditional powerhouse, right? And then we saw, obviously, D- Dabo had some comments on this. Man, he's, I think he's just having a hard time adjusting. I think, and I think he, I don't think his seat is hot, but I think he thinks it's hot. Really? Well, I think he's just a little nervous because he didn't have the success that he usually has. Yeah, I think he's probably And people nervous. are making fun of him. I think he's n- I don't know. I, I think all this stuff isn't going his way, and he talked about that. You know, guys getting paid and everything, guys being able to transfer whenever they want. He said something like, "You know, the education is the last uh, last thing on anyone's mind now." But yeah, I think he's getting worried because he doesn't want all this stuff, and now he's having to adjust to it, regardless of what he what he pr- uh, prefers. So, well, yeah, and remind me that. Remind me when, since when did Clemson become a top tier academic school? I mean, like, yeah, exactly. No shade on them, but like, I don't know. He's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's putting his foot in his mouth, but like, he might be a little salty. And I think he's been, I don't think guys have been going to Clemson for the past 10 years for the education. Well, in some of these quotes he's had, especially this, this past year, people have quoted him back and forth from years before, kind of double talking, kind of going back and back on what he said earlier. Because I, I, I don't know, is is Clemson going to, to to me? If he has that hard of a time adjusting to everything and really doesn't like it that much, are they going to be able to keep competing with all these guys? Because look at Saban. Saban's adjusting. He's fine with it. He's doing whatever. Jimbo's adjusting. All these guys, they're they're fine with it, and they're going to keep it rolling and keep winning. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you're a top-tier program, you would hope that the program itself can be progressive with the new rules and, you know, going into the new decade of college football. So, Dabo better catch up and stop complaining if he wants to keep his his job and his success. Also an interesting thing, down at number 70 in the rankings, USC. So, obviously, new head coach Lincoln Riley but USC is ranked number 70 right now, and at after first signing day, they have seven commits total. Two of them are five stars. That's the thing. Two right? of them are four yeah. stars, but still seven is very low. Now, I'll be interested to see in between now and the next signing day, who does Lincoln Riley flip or who does he grab that's still unsigned? Like, USC's got to make a little bit of moves if they want to you know, have a shot at winning the Pac-12 next year. Now, obviously, it's quick, but, you know, we'll also, see. Also, how many transfers do they get? Because you would think a lot of guys will want to transfer over there now, even from Oklahoma alone. Uh, they have one right now, a formerly three-star defensive lineman, Earl Barquette, transferred from TCU. So they have one okay. right now. We'll see how that goes. Probably the biggest story over the weekend is defensive back Travis Hunter. So depending on what website you look at, Number one, number two, number three, somewhere in that top three total recruit ranking, commits to Jackson State and Deion Sanders. Yeah, not an, an FCS school. Yeah, not even a major D one. It is a, a HBCU, historically black college. So 
There's that. However, I was hearing a lot of... I was listening to, I think it was Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and they were talking about how how amazing... Uh, at least Keyshawn was. He was talking about how amazing of a job Dion did recruiting this guy and everything. And yeah, he, he, he did a good job, right? He got him there. But guys, let's not, let's not give him too much credit. The guy, apparently, the deal he's got with Barstool, uh, presumably is worth $1.5 million. To so, a guy who's not even graduated high school yet. Yes, to an 18-year-old. And it's not... Here's the other thing. Someone said, well, you know, I mean, someone like Bryce Young, he's making a million dollars. And I said, well, yeah, but Bryce Young is the quarterback. Like, it's for a defensive back to make $1.5 million on an NIL deal before he even takes a snap is insane. And I don't think I don't think you get paid that anywhere else if you're a defensive back. I think if you're a quarterback in the face of a team, you probably could. But Reese, what do you think? How do you think this is going to play out? Because I kind of have my theories on this. But do you have any first major th- any big thoughts on kind of the signing and everything and going to Jackson State? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a new chapter in the world of recruiting for a team like Jackson State um, in the FCS who's been on the come up with Dion. I mean, Dion's done a lot of great things down there. He's turned the program around, I guess, already in less than two years. And they've been competitive and they have a winning culture after these last two, well, I guess two seasons. One was this spring and one was this fall. But, I mean, I'm impressed by it for a guy like Travis Hunter who's arguably the best player in high school in the country to have offers from probably anywhere you could think of for him to on signing day do the whole thing where he has a bunch of hats and then he throws them away and at the end he comes to Jackson State that's huge i mean not only for the world of college football but for guys who are you know looking to take the next step and play football in college like you're breaking the mold of do the top guys go to the best schools and i mean it's it's really cool to see i think well, and part of me does agree with Dion was pointing out when when he was kind of pitching his his stance on guys coming to FCS schools or HBCUs or coming to play for him. Obviously, he was saying, "Look, I mean, I'm I'm Dion Sanders basically, and I worked in the NFL forever. You think, especially with scouts, with combine type stuff." You think scouts aren't going to listen to what I have to say? Aren't going to take in what I have to say into account about if a guy can play in the league or not? Granted, my thing is you're not going to have the same level of competition. There's still guys every year we see come from the FCS ranks, make it to the NFL, yeah. get drafted super high. I mean, yeah, there, there's every there's year. all pros that played in the FCS, right? I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. So my Reese, I told you this before, but I do have quite the hot take on how this is going to play out. So you're getting paid 1.5 million, right? If you're Travis Hunter, and I think that's the major kicker. Yeah, good good for you. But you also have the thing that is beautiful about all this is these guys all have the freedom to leave whenever they want and go somewhere else and play right away. So a lot of Florida State fans are kind of back and forth on Mike Norvell. I'd say most are pretty disappointed that Norvell will be back coaching again. Well, and even before this happened, 
like Florida State had a bad year. Yes, yes. And if you didn't know, Travis Hunter was committed to Florida State. So not only that, Dion also stole him from his alma mater. But so my theory is Mike Norvell has another trash year at Florida State. Florida State finally fires him. Dion has another big year. They bring in Dion Sanders. He brings in some of these transfer guys with him. And I'm sure this five-star recruit comes right with him. $1.5 million in his pocket now can go on to Florida State. Yeah, I think I think that's very possible. And I like that. I think people need to prepare themselves for that possibility. And if that doesn't happen, prepare yourself for the fact that he might make his money, play this year, and transfer to Georgia or Alabama or wherever yeah. next year. Well, I'm just... I'm curious to see what happens with Dion. I mean, Dion is a very high-profile guy, Hall of Famer, best player at his position ever. If you know, you want to chalk it up to that. Um, I don't know how long. I don't know what Dion's goals are. I don't know how long he wants to stay at Jackson State. Nothing against Jackson State, but you know, if Dion's not there. Someone's going to take a chance on him, yeah. too, right? If Dion's not there, Travis Hunter's not committing, you know, the program's not getting turned around. I mean, the program has been in the pits before Dion got there for a long time, I think. And I just don't know if that's not Dion's Mount Everest, I think. I don't think Dion wants no. to, you know, plant his roots in Jackson, Mississippi. And it's nothing against Jackson State, but, you know, if Dion keeps having the success that he has, like, you think he's going to jump off to bigger and better things, so to speak. Well, and so Jackson State, they actually got beat pretty bad in their bowl game recently. However, before that, they were 11-1 and this year. So Dion's proving, hey, this isn't just a fluke. Now he's, he's recruiting at a level that you don't see in the FCS, obviously. But even before Travis Hunter committed, he was still getting guys who could have gone to FBS-type schools that decided to come play for him. But, I mean, I think you could still have not – it won't be the same difference or the same uh, magnitude if you got to an FBS school. It won't be – the gap won't be as wide. But you're still going to get a lot of high-level players that would rather come play for you simply because you're Deion Sanders. Yeah. And I, obviously the money is probably the biggest part of it. But I think I, I think Dion deserves a lot of credit because he is that dude. I listened to an interview – with him where they asked him so you know when you're talking to the parents or whatever like the, they were just asking him how did you do this how did you get the number one guy in the country to come play for you at a school that's not traditionally you know the big time program he said you know when you're talking to parents they want to know a couple things are you going to take care of my son how is he going to live where is he going to live is he going to eat like you know and how how good is he going to get coached up? That kind of thing. Obviously, playing for Deion Sanders, you're going to have the coaching right there. And Deion has a lot of guys on his staff and around him that they're going to prepare those guys if they want to. They have a shot to make it the NFL. Like, um, I just think it's really impressive that Deion has been able to do it. Um, does he have a lot of former NFL guys on his staff? I think he does. I, I would think so. I, 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 don't, I don't know. know if, I, I don't know if they're all NFL guys, but I think they're. He's got a talented group down there, whether it's position coaches or the recruiters or anything like that. But, I mean, Dion's really turned it around, and I think it's mostly because of him. I mean, sorry, we got some helicopters outside. I don't know if you all heard that, but 
it, it's really impressive to see Dion do this because he he's doing something that a lot of people couldn't do. Someone made the argument too that in this day and age, so the biggest knock on this, if you're talking to Travis Hunter, trying to say why would you go to Jackson State, the biggest knock on this is TV exposure, right? And the argument I heard was, in this day and age, what are you on every day? You're on your phone every day. Like, yeah, you're going to sit down and watch games on the weekends and on Monday night like we're doing right now. However, if you make a crazy play, it's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be on Instagram. And especially with Dion being kind of with Barstool and everything, they I mean, they shot a whole documentary about him recently. Yeah. So Dion being with Barstool and everything, if, if you're making plays and if they want to market you, and I'm sure they will because they're paying you $1.5 million, you're going to be seen. And that is a little that that does make things a little interesting. I still don't think it's quite the same as being on a big primetime game on ABC on Saturday night or something. But you I mean, people will know what Travis Hunter because I assume he's going to play next year at Jackson State, oh, right? Yeah. As a five I mean, if he's as talented as he is, he should be a starter if he's right not, now. Wouldn't man, wouldn't that be crazy? A five star gets paid that much money to go to an FCS school and then he doesn't play. He's like red shirted the first yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll that'll be something you will know what Travis Hunter is all about next year and it could even benefit him a little more because you might be making some plays in the FCS ranks that you might not be making in the FBS ranks. You just look like the MVP of college football. You because look like you're playing, playing the JV squad or something. Yeah, almost. yeah. And uh, no offense to FCS because yeah. they're. I mean, like we said, they got some ballers there, so it might not be like that. But I could also see him, you know, getting like two pick sixes the first game and the entire country knowing about it and going yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's crazy to see a guy of his caliber go to FCS, but the fact that Dion's there and Dion has all the resources that he needs, probably not all the, I mean, he wouldn't have all the resources that he could get at Alabama or something like that, but he has enough and, you know, you're going to get millions of dollars to play. I think it's, I think it's going to turn out well for the kids. So it's pretty cool to see. Well, and what you just said about resources, I think that's what will still keep guys you, there's not going to be a huge tidal wave of guys no. going to FCS and HBCU because my thing was, I mean, th- this guy's going to be sitting at the in the training room or whatever and look on his Snapchat or his Instagram and see his buddies from high school who were playing at Georgia and Alabama sitting in their freaking lounges and hot tubs and everything. I think that's what will still separate it. Like, you want to go to a school with the facilities, with the tradition. There's still going to be a a lot bigger pull to these traditional powerhouses. I don't I don't think you're going to see a huge massacre of guys start going to FCS even with the money because I think there's still the opportunity to make money at the bigger level. Yeah, I mean Jackson, Mississippi is not the most desirable place you can play. It's not like a Knoxville or a Tuscaloosa or an Athens or a Norman, Oklahoma. I mean it's Jackson, Mississippi. Now obviously they have a very historic culture and something that those people from that area are very proud of but it's still not the big destination and and like you said i don't see a lot of guys that are going to start following his path May, there's going to be a handful here and there but 
Dion is the real reason it's happening. I don't right. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of like four and five stars going to Grambling State or another school like that. Well, in regard regardless, it's a I mean it's a ballsy move for Travis Hunter. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could take if I was worried about going to the NFL or making money or getting my name out there. I don't know if I could do it. Even even though it is Dion. I mean Dion obviously probably did a great job convincing him, but big move. Well, and Dion said, you know. He's a guy who's just like me. Travis Hunter is a cornerback, defensive back, but I also think in high school he plays offense too. He's kind of a receiver, athlete type of guy. That's just like Dion, right? So Travis Having Hunter is returning. Yeah, or something. Travis Hunter is doing a smart thing to go play for the best guy to ever do it when he's a similar guy. So I think that's a part of it too, of course. But it's cool. I mean, signing day has been fun. I, I I've been. More than ever, I've been locked to my Twitter, to the laptop, looking at where all these guys are going because it's fun to watch. Especially, you know, now they can make money and that plays a factor into it. Yeah. See, I'm still kind of locked in because really the only thing I care about as far as the Huskers go is getting that. We're, it looks like we're getting a transfer quarterback. I'm just excited to see which one. I really wanted to get Dylan Gabriel, but it looks like he's going to UCLA. I don't know. That's the only thing. I don't know who's on Frost Radar. I know a guy who I saw a tweet who had us in his top three was Keaton Slovis from USC. And while he, I, I, I mean, I want a mobile guy because we ran the option some last year and it worked really well. However, I don't know what Mark Whipple, you know, Pittsburgh offense coordinator, is going to necessarily want to do because if he turns in, uh, creates another Kenny Pickett, hey, do whatever you want, man. Plus, I do remember watching Slovis uh, mainly his freshman year at USC when scouts were drooling over him saying this guy's gonna be a future first round pick then the last couple years had some injuries been a little up and down but i know the guy can sling it well yeah i mean slovis was the guy who didn't i mean for more or less pushed jt daniels out of there yeah he's the one who came in and then became the starter because he Mm -hmm. didn't he had he didn't give the job back yeah so and you know yeah dylan gabriel goes to ucla bo nix we just saw i think today or yesterday is going to oregon Right, which I didn't even... That's kind of weird. It's it's weird, but his old OC is there, I realized. Oh, okay, yeah. And some some Nebraska fans mentioned him, and I was like, uh, I if we if, if Nebraska got Bo Nix, you'd essentially be trading Adrian Martinez for the SEC version of Adrian Martinez. A guy that has... I, th- I think we said this last week on the pod. Probably like, a lesser version, too. I, I think so. At least, at least as far as the WoW play goes... Like making something out of nothing. I think Bo is a great scrambler and everything, and you know he'll sling it downfield every now and then. But yeah, you're you're just getting a guy who's inconsistent and will make a big play every now and then, but then make you pull your hair out another make another bonehead game. mistakes. Right. So I didn't. I wasn't big on him, but I'm excited to see who they get, and I'm not out on the fact that Smothers, who started against Iowa, isn't still going to have the job. But we'll see. I'm signing day was a little different for me just because i knew nebraska wasn't going to sign a lot of guys but hopefully we get some more transfers coming in and frost acted like that was kind of the plan they were really going to go after the transfer portal because they need guys to come in and play right now because he knows he's got to come in and win next year no i mean signing day for me was great texas a&m best class so far five five stars 19 four stars and will a&m is still in the running for three Three other, three or four other five stars, and if we get one and maybe even you know two of those, 
that will be the best class in history, which is crazy. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. It, I mean, it's that's always. I remember when when Butch had that one year where he had the number four or five class, and it was if it, it it's fun. It's a lot of fun oh my seeing gosh. all those stars and seeing all these talented guys that want to come to your program because yeah. it gets you excited because you know other people are seeing the hype around the program. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the fruits of your labor. Jimbo's obviously he hasn't got to the pinnacle. He hasn't got to the SEC championship game last year. We go to the Orange Bowl when finishes the number four or number three or four team in the country at the end of it all. But it's nice to see that what we want wanted Jimbo to do, he's doing it now, and this class really proves it. So we, we got a lot of guys that are big in the trenches, and that's the most important thing, I think, in the SEC. You've got to have big, strong, fast guys on the offensive and defensive line, and that's what Jimbo did with this class. I mean, our defense is going to be unreal. Like we have defensive linemen that are just gonna throw guys around. I'm ugh. I'm not trying to get on my my Aggie soapbox, but it, it's pretty sick. Oh, I believe it. And oh, one one thing. Last thing I'll say uh, on college ball, unless you have something else before we move into the NFL. One one guy. So I wrote an article actually uh, on the Husker website I write for, and I did kind of the three. Just three possibilities, not even three of the most likely possibilities. Just three guys. I was like, these guys might be the transfers that end up at Nebraska. And one of the guys I threw in there was your guy, Zach Calzada. Oh, yeah. And I actually, I, Cuban from, missile, baby. from what I saw from him this year, I would not be opposed to him coming to Nebraska and playing. Because I think he's got, I mean, you obviously know, the guy can be inaccurate at times. But the guy throws heat oh at my the same gosh. time. The guy's got a heck of an arm. And I'm thinking a guy like Mark Whipple, who's just coached Kenny Pickett, you never know. He might be able to mold him into – because he was what? Was he a freshman, sophomore? Uh, he he was like technically a freshman, I think, because he redshirted the year before. Right. So the main thing for the Huskers, too, is just bring in a guy for more competition because they have a couple guys in there. And they got a freshman quarterback, or they had a guy in signing day that they're really excited about from Texas. So we'll see how that goes. But I did, I did want to mention that because I yeah. thought your boy Calzone might end up in Lincoln. Yeah, so we'll dude, see. The Cuban Missile. I mean, if you guys got the Cuban Missile, you have a you have a quarterback that's beaten Alabama. Exactly. I mean, I, and I'm not, I I don't know I I'm not bummed out that Calzada's leaving. I'm not bummed no, out. I'm happy. Have, right. I'm happy for him. He's going to get the opportunity that he wants wherever he goes. So that's good for him. I think he's a good guy. And obviously he will live on forever in lore of A&M beating Alabama this season. So it'd be great to see him go to Nebraska. I think that would be good for him. Just but, the, uh, the thought oh. of being able to sling it around a little bit is pretty appealing to me. Cause oh, yeah. we don't, we, I mean, Nebraska doesn't really do that, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it happen as long as it works. Oh yeah. I mean that, that will give Nebraska the other, tier of offense they need obviously you know big 10 school they can run the ball well usually but when you have a guy that can sling it like that that just opens up that opens up the playbook as they say Mm -hmm. but one more thing i I was going to say with social media being so prevalent now and a lot of the guys who are going to start coming into college growing up with it for the majority of their lives it plays a big part in recruiting i think because 
and use A&M for an example. A&M has a recruit coming in named uh, Bobby Taylor, who's a Texas guy, and he has been influential, as far as I can tell, as to getting these other guys to come and sign with A&M because you know he's tweeting at them or texting them or whatever, being like, "Hey, come join us," that kind of thing. So social media and having these guys, you know, with the abilities to text and call like immediately and show them what you know the school they've committed to is all about uh it's a pretty big deal so i i would assume a lot of other places have something like that where guys are recruiting each other and it's not just the coaching staff going to the kid's house and that kind of thing oh i yeah for sure and i always think it's funny when Tennessee had a guy like that a couple of years ago, and he ended up trans. It was actually a local guy, Vic Warden. Oh yeah, that, I remember him. I remember seeing him tweet at all these different recruits and get him over there. And then, I mean, he actually, I mean, he actually started a game his freshman year and played a little bit. But I think we had so many guys coming in, he started moving down the depth chart a little bit. He, he recruited he ends up, too well that pushed him out yeah, of the spot <laughs> exactly, and he ends up transferring and had a really good career at Cal. And I don't know if he's in the NFL now or not. But. I don't. I don't think so. He might have like played in the AAF or something Maybe. like that. I could see him being on a pre- – I mean, he was good at Cal. You he know, was like their guy. But... You know who he, he's like? Mason Kinsey. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, were, they were cut from the same cloth. Um, I just remember watching him in a – it was a USC-Cal game, and he was toying with the USC DBs, which was fun to see. I was I, I'm always cheering for local guys oh, to yeah. do well. Of course. It's always fun seeing the local guys get – Get big or have success. Um, but let's go ahead. Oh, I will say real quick, we did. The Huskers did get uh, DeColdest Crawford. To oh yeah, commit after being committed to LSU for so long. The the wide receivers coach from LSU, Mickey Joseph, is now on staff at Nebraska since the Brian Kelly hiring. So hopefully that brings in a lot of LSU guys because I think we just started offering LSU guys once Mickey Joseph got there. So. Yeah, and LSU, I mean, there was, of course, all the hype with Brian Kelly coming down there, but they might have to pump their brakes a little bit because they've had a lot of guys that were coming there to play for Coach O that have said, nah, I'm going somewhere else. Well, hey, here's the thing. Coach O, likable guy, great recruiter. Brian Kelly, not a very likable guy. And I'm not going to say not a great recruiter because he was at Notre Dame and recruited well, but... I don't think he's having as much pull as some other coaches are. And I think a lot of – he's got had some bad pub, I feel like. Oh, the there line. was that really, <laughs> the really cringy, cringy video. video with that quarterback commit with the camera spinning around and Brian Kelly is doing a little dance. Yeah, no, I I And I think it's going to be tough for him to – because it's different when you're at Notre Dame. But now it's, hey, you're in the SEC and you're recruiting against Saban, Jimbo, Kirby. I mean, it's going to be tough. But anyway – We'll we'll move into the NFL real quick, Reese. Any I know there's some games that stick out to you, but what what's kind of the first one or two games that you want to touch on that stuck out? Just so I can get it out of our system, the Colts are the hottest team in the NFL right now. As much as I hate to say it, they are. I mean, on Saturday. By the way, I love Saturdays. I love NFL Saturday games. It's just so nice when you know college football is not really popping off that the NFL can play on Saturday. It gives you something to watch. But the Colts, you know, Patriots come to town, and the Colts took care of business. Jonathan Taylor ran all over the Patriots. And, I mean, 
he sealed the deal at the end of the game with I think a 67 yard run when when to the Patriots credit they were coming back Mac Jones didn't have a great game in the first three quarters and in the fourth quarter he started to have some flashes and showed some signs of life and the Patriots were coming back but it didn't end up happening that way the Colts are eight and six right now and they took took down the Patriots on Saturday 27-17 so that was a good game and it's you know a pivotal game as far as the AFC playoff picture goes at this moment in time yeah no I agree um and we saw that too and we were thinking oh maybe the Titans get the number one seed but obviously that didn't happen however another team who I would say who I put up there is one of the hottest teams in the NFL Kansas City Chiefs because what did they start? I think they started they were two, two and four. four, and I think they won. I'm they, trying no, to remember. They, we, they haven't lost since the Titans beat them, right? And so I'm trying to remember, but there was, I mean, it was weeks ago or months ago that I, I said on this pod, I was like, all right, Chiefs are back, <laughs> and it was yeah. very early. But I was thinking, you know what? They they are. They I mean, they look like the Chiefs again, and they've done it. They won eight games in a row, which sucks for the Titans cuz they're going to be that dangerous Kansas City team again hopefully someone takes and, them out but. and as of right now the AFC championship runs through Kansas City yes yeah and yeah. Arrowhead is a tough place to play in January and well December and January we also had a couple huge upsets this week the first one I'll talk about i mean Detroit just beats the brakes off of Arizona 30 to 12 Arizona has kind of started to be Coming the anomaly a little bit for me in the NFL. They started off so hot. They're so talented. They have all these weapons. But even not even just this game, but the past few weeks, you've seen them just kind of not look like the best team at times because well, they lost to the Rams last week, correct? Mm-hmm. And then I remember watching them lose against the Packers. They don't look like an elite team to me. And for a long time they were perceived as maybe the number one team in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, their their record would, would say so, even though now they're 10-4. and four. The Cardinals are doing that thing that they did last year where they start off hot and then they just, like, fall apart at the end of the year. And they're starting to fall apart slowly. So, I mean, they've had some good wins. They beat the Titans week one. They beat the Rams in the first game against them. They beat the Niners, and the Niners are pretty good. And they beat, oh, they beat the Niners twice, so that's big as far as NFC West goes. But other than that, they've they've kind of just beat up on a, a several bad teams. So I, I don't I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be able to do it this year. You know, they lost JJ Watt, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the year. Uh, I'm not feeling so hot about Cardinals now, and I I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. I'm. I don't know. He's he's got to win something, right? Because if if you're just kind of the pretty team that comes through the regular season and puts up some highlight plays and big games every now and then, you got to at least. I don't. I mean, you got to at least get to like a conference championship or Super Bowl, obviously. But I, I I think he's pretty good. If nothing else, if he if it doesn't work out in Arizona, I think he could be an offensive coordinator in the NFL forever. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, the Cardinals have a tough stretch coming up here to finish off the season. They play the Colts, the Cowboys, and then 
they play the Seahawks for the last game of the season. And the Seahawks, I feel like they always just have weird games against... The Seahawks are going to try and put a nail in a coffin for the Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals are probably going to make the playoffs, of course, but the Seahawks are going to want to, you know, not be season ruiners, but they're going to try and give the Cardinals grief because I don't think the Seahawks are making the playoffs this year. But the Cardinals have a tough three weeks to finish out the season. If they want to stay at the top of the NFC, they've got to, they've got to win at least two of these games. And the Cowboys have been playing well. The Colts are the hottest team, in my opinion. Um, so it's it's pretty tough sledding if you're the Cardinals right now, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. And I think Kyler Murray's a little banged up. Right, right. I truly can't remember a year. I, I feel like this year has is the most wide-open year in recent memory for me. Yeah. I don't think you can point to anyone. You know, a lot of – I. It, it was a week or two ago people were saying you had basically probably – most people would say the Packers or the Bucks. They would throw in Brady in them. Bucks just got shut out nine nothing or whatever it was to the Saints. Now, a story us as Titans fans know pretty well. Tom Brady without his top two receivers and starting running back looks like it's not too easy to score a lot of points with those guys out. But still, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the Bucks are not even you know heads and shoulders above everyone. I mean, getting shut out. Tom Brady getting shut out. What what was the I think you sent me the stat maybe. I mean it's been 15 years or something. Yeah, I'll, Some I'll pull it crazy up. number. Yeah, so Tom Brady that was the first time he's been shut out since week 15 in 2006. And here's a couple things that uh were happening on December 10th in 2006 when he got last shut out. By the way, I saw they pulled it up on the on the game. I think he'd had like something 255 games or something without being shut out, which is like the second or third longest streak ever. But anyways, hasn't Tom Brady hasn't been shut out since 2006. And in 2006, Tom Brady was 29 years old and no current active deep Defensive player in the NFL was playing in the NFL at that time, and Drew Brees was in his first year with the Saints. That's crazy. The fact that you hear no current active defensive player was in the league. Yeah, not even guys who were like older who you would think of, like Indomitian Sue or I don't know oh, Joe, wasn't even Joe Hayden. Yeah. Like they weren't in the NFL. Sue wasn't even in the league for like three or four more years. But the fact, what's also funny about that is you said Tom Brady was. 29 when that happened which is for a lot of guys i mean that's that's you're, you're on the you're you're tail end, end of it you're on the end of your prime at that point like it, it used to be once it used to be if you were 33 and playing quarterback you were old you know because i mean that's a 10 10 11 year career you know so but yeah that's another crazy brady stat for sure but yeah like i said i, th- I think the league is wide open this year yeah, it's I mean, absolutely. Be... Even the te- teams you think are good, like the Cardinals and like the Bucks, like they take bad losses. One thing I will agree with our buddy Swaff on is he likes to always say, talk about you know the great quarterbacks being able to carry their teams in the playoffs, and I do agree to that to an extent because I feel like guys like Rodgers and Brady and Mahomes are going to be able to. That's what's going to kind of make the difference coming up this year. At least in these playoffs, but like we said, I mean, it's it's anyone's ball game. When you get to the playoffs, all you need is one game. You just got to have one great game, and changes everything. Yeah, I mean, and credit to 
the Bucks defense played a really good game. I mean, held them to single digits. Yeah, right? no no touchdowns. So the Bucks defense played well, but it's the same story as the Titans when your offense can't score. I mean, you're behind the eight ball there. Yeah, let's talk about it. We want to go and in, get into the Titans Steelers game. Yeah, but I will say congratulations to the Lions because they put a beat down on the Cardinals. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't give them enough credit. That's their second win. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Second win. Congrats to the Lions. Second win in like three weeks. Yeah. Or maybe two weeks. Congrats to Dan Campbell. Jared Goff had a great game. 21 for 26 for 216 yards and three touchdowns. So, I'm happy for the Lions. You got to love Dan Campbell. Oh, yeah. Easy easy team to like. Easy team to cheer for now. I hope they kind of get things rolling. Maybe win, steal a couple on their way out. Yeah, and before we get into Titans, former Titan Josh Reynolds seems to have had a shot of new life into him in Detroit. Yeah, his thing, kind of what I was hearing, the rumor was he kind of didn't have the right, I don't know if work ethic is the right word or maybe mentality. I think he, I don't know. I think he likes playing football and he's out there to have fun kind of thing. I don't know if he necessarily has the killer instinct Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of the other guys do. Well, I don't, I think he likes I think he likes being this, not necessarily a star, but I think he likes the attention, but he might not want to do the extra stuff right, to right. get that attention. I don't think he has, I th- kind of what I was hearing, not to be too harsh on the guy, but it was there's a little bit of mental weakness there compared to the rest of the guys. I mean, you think a guy, about that's guys not gonna, like, like, you got Julio Jones, Alpha, you got A.J. Brown, just an absolute dog. You big know, Jeff. Guys who Derek Henry. Yeah, you have big Alpha mentalities. Uh, and you're kind of trying to break in is just. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think a, he enjoyed being a role player, so no, to speak. No, I don't think so either. And hey, good for him. You find you got to find what works for you. Yeah, I mean, you're getting paid. You're scoring touchdown here and there. If you like Detroit, more power to you, Josh Reynolds, Aggie. I have to be respectful of him. Right. Right. But yeah, let's let's jump into the Titans Steelers game. God. Uh, I mean, I wanted to throw up at the end of it. Just a disgusting game. And you knew it was going to happen. You knew the Steelers, that's how they've been playing games, whether they've been winning or losing them. They've been making an ugly game so they can stay in it. We fell right into it. I mean, the, we, we have no weapons available. Defense did well again. I mean, what? They only had one. Steelers only had one touchdown. The rest were field goals. Yeah, and, and the touchdown was a quarterback sneak on the one-yard line. Right. And right. It, it was on second down. I mean, you can't. It's really hard to stop NFL teams on the one yard line four times in a row. So, oh yeah, was it off a was it off a turnover? Probably, or was it on a big? I don't remember, but I don't remember either. But it was a very disappointing game for the Titans because you, if you watch the game, and I'm not just saying this as a Titans fan, I'm saying this as an objective football fan. If you watch that game, I think you can tell at least especially on the defensive side of the ball, that the Titans were a more talented team. Um, and now I would say better coached, but you know you see turno- four turnovers in a game and that kind of negates it. But it's frustrating when you're a better team and then you just shoot yourself in the foot to where you can't win. Well, We could have survived maybe even three turn- turnovers, but four, right. I mean, that you just can't do it. No well, team, rarely does a team win when you have four turnovers. Well, and it's one thing if you throw like an obvious pick or something. Should we bring him on? It's another, yeah, bring him on. All right, this is this is happening live, folks. We've got the lawyer on the phone and answer it. 
What's up? Doing the podcast. You want to talk on the podcast? Y'all are on it right now. Yeah. Really? I'll put you in the mic. Yeah, you can just put it on speaker. Put it in the mic. I I just want to give. Wait, let me let me preface this real quick, folks. Paydirters, we've got the legend Thomas Swafford on the line live right now. I texted him about giving us some some takes, but he called me. He his like he just must be that on fire to talk football with us that he called me in the middle of this. So here we go. All right, listen, I, I went a little soft on the takes this week, and my NFC take is I just want to see a Brady Rogers matchup because I believe they're the last two of the greatest generation of quarterbacks. And with that, I give you up for debate the top ten of the greatest generation. Are you ready? All right, here I'm we go. So yeah, ready. I'm ready. And and what I'm calling the greatest generation is 95 to 05 draft okay. class. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. Number one, Tom Brady. Two, Rodgers. Three, Manning. Four, Breeze. Five, Eli. That might be a little hot. I don't maybe, know. Hey, two-time yeah. Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I got to hear the rest. Yeah, you too. know. And I gave him the edge over this next guy because of Super Bowl Forty Two. I think that's the most legendary Super Bowl win of all time. Number six, Big Ben. Seven, McNabb. Eight, Rivers. Nine, it's surprising that he's even in this class, but he was actually drafted in 95. McNair. Ten, Michael Vick. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I disagree with a lot of those. It's crazy once you hear that drop off of like McNabb and Rivers, not you know, obviously not having Super Bowls. Right, right, and and it's crazy to think of the of the fact that this is all the same generation when guys like McNabb are like Brady's age. Yeah, that is, that's only, wild. McNair's only three years older than Brady. Yeah, well, and guys, I mean Peyton, you know, long like been retired for quite a few years now. Was what the year before him, just one year older, I think, or maybe. The, was it the same? I think he, Brady uh, Manning was a year older than Brady. Okay, yeah. Swaff, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised years. that you put McNabb over Rivers. You love Philip Rivers. I do love Philip Rivers, but man, I thought McNabb that I thought the McNabb and Owens teams were some of the greatest teams that ever won a Super Bowl, and I can never, I could not say that about any Rivers team. There's no Rivers team where I was like, he should have won a Super Bowl that year. Yeah, I agree. No, with the McNabb and, like you said, Owens and Andy Reid teams, that w- I think they yeah. went to a couple NFC championships. Brian Westbrook. Yeah, was that the running? Yeah, Westbrook. They had a stud running back. They had Westbrook and Corral Buckhalter. They had a one-two punch. But what, anyway. Did they have another receiver? Was there another receiver on that team? But they had, like, Brian Dawkins, right? Yeah, they had Brian Dawkins. Yeah. They were good. They were good. And you know, I think I think Vic I think Vic falls in the rankings because of the dog fighting. Otherwise I think he's <laughs> and I mean I guess you can the, say not that. because of my beef with dog fighting. I mean, you know, sounds like the dogs wanted to fight, but with my with the fact that he, you know, lost time in the NFL for it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, it was, no, yeah, it was in sense. the middle of his prime, that's why he falls. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I thought you were just saying that that just that did it for you. You couldn't handle it. No, 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 no. I, I don't you, know, you watch a dog fight, not that I've ever seen one live, and those dogs are willing participants. So I don't know how 
you know, how morally opposed to that I am. My point there is he missed, what, two, three years? Not to mention just the the cliff that is for a career. The pr- Yeah, the prime of his back. career, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Well, because when he came back for the Eagles, people were going nuts because they thought that team was going to be a cheat code with him and Deshaun Jackson. And I, there were some other guys on there I can't even remember. But. Right. Right. So, so that's so, what I got. You know, I, I got that 04 draft class going, Eli, Big Ben, Rivers. I just – I think Big Ben was a better day-to-day quarterback than Eli, even though I'm such a big Eli fan. But those two Super Bowl wins are just too legendary. And Big Ben was not – he has two, but they just don't hit me like Eli's do. Well, and especially, I think it was, like you said, I think 42 when they beat the 18-0 and Patriots. Right. That performance by Eli, especially the play where – he almost gets sacked like three times and throw like does the number one thing you're not supposed to do and throws it down the middle of the field. He has the highlight plays to back it up that everyone's going to remember forever. Right, right. So that that's what I got. That's what I got. I uh, so I just want to see a Brady Rogers matchup, and you don't. And those are my one two on that list. And we haven't. I don't have we ever seen them in a Super Bowl against each other. I think this would be really the first. Big matchup between those two. Unless, well, they played last year in the NFC Championship. Did they really? Yeah, it was Brady oh, through three yeah, picks. Okay, all right. Well, if Brady beats Rogers. I'm I'm Rogers falls on this list. <laughs> I think I got I think I got Rogers falling below Manning and Breeze if he doesn't beat Brady. Well, I think this is his best chance to win another Super Bowl and probably maybe his last depending on where he get because he's not going to be on the Packers next year I don't think yeah I think Rodgers Rodgers is tough for me because he's so talented but he can't win as much as he should have Super Bowl wise or even getting to the Super Bowl and he's never been on teams where you're like wow his team sucked that's you know he's always had good teams but they do always fall short so I don't know I could see I I, I might I might be offended by myself putting Rodgers ahead of Manning, but yeah, I that, understand that. And on the mat, that will depend on his performance this year for me. Yeah, I can see that. Any hey, swap before we let you go? Do you want to give a any quick uh, like a quick thought on the Titans' performance this past week? Yeah, that, Boys, that says it all. I don't have enough time on the podcast. Yeah, no. I'll just say this. I'll just say this. I think at this point in time, the only thing stopping the Chiefs is Bill Belichick. I don't see. I don't see any of the Titans or the Bills or the Ravens or Cincy or Cleveland or Las Vegas or anybody having good enough quarterback play to beat the Chiefs. So you're saying Mac Jones has enough good quarterback play to beat the Chiefs? Well, I, and I, and with that, I'll say I would put Mac Jones in that category as well. But if it wasn't for Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, I think they put him over the edge. I mean, and you still have. I mean, Patriots defense has been pretty good this year too. Yeah. That's going to keep him yeah. in there. And Belichick I, knows how to keep. He's basically shown that he can keep Mac Jones in a comfortable situation. Yeah. And I, I just think that the whole world has just given the Chiefs, who I still think are the mo- one of the most talented offenses ever, a full season's worth of bulletin board material, and they're going to peak at the right time, and I think they're going to be very hard to stop. Well, yeah, they, I never, they've won eight in a row. Going into the playoffs as a one dog, as a one seed, but still an underdog mentality, which they're going to have. Yeah. So I, I like the Chiefs. 
I like the Chiefs a lot, and I like a Brady Brady Rogers matchup. Who do you wait? So who do you like? Do you still like your Brady Belichick Super Bowl? I'm predicting that just just because of how bad I want it. Yes, <laughs> with it. that's fair. I'm sticking with it, but that will be if for that to happen would solidify Belichick as not even close to greatest coach of all time if he gets to the Super Bowl this year, regardless of whether he wins it. Okay, I like that. I yeah. think I agree yeah. with that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But I think there's a lot riding on this year in terms of bigger arguments that we'll have as old men. I think the I think the Rodgers debate has a very definite – he finds his place in that ranking, I think, this year, and I think Belichick can set himself apart as the greatest coach of all time, which I think he probably already has. Well, we have a lot to look forward to, that's for sure. Yep. Anyways, that's all I got for y'all. That that That's my only Titans take. Just I don't think there's a quarterback play to beat the Chiefs. That's, that's fair. I, that's fair. How fast, I don't know how much you know Henry's going to have his legs under him. Yeah, well, you call it a good time because we were talking Titans, so I guess we'll we'll finish it up what, going what, off the heels of that. Uh, no, Swap, I, I mean, if, like, if, yeah, if, if Derrick Henry's not in good, if he's not in prime shape, which I don't know if he will be, but if he's not, I don't see the Titans beating the Chiefs, especially just the way the Chiefs are peaking. It could be a repeat of what we saw in the AFC Championship a couple years ago where they're just, at a certain point, they're just too much to handle. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think the Titans right now, they can't, they can't score to keep up with any great team. Well, I don't know if... Even by the time if Henry gets back and AJ Brown gets back, do you have enough time to like get back into a rhythm with everyone to have an elite have an elite offense like you did a couple years ago? I don't know. It's just been I mean, you haven't had a full offense pretty much the whole season. I don't know. I'm I'm less optimistic than I was. I still think there's a chance just because you have a really good defense. And if Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown can come back and it works out well, maybe you have a shot. But I'm not feeling as optimistic as I was even a couple weeks ago, probably. Right. Right. But then again, I'll say this. We're not in the NFC. If we were in the NFC, right. I'd be like, send it home. You're, you don't have Stafford, Brady, Rodgers waiting on you. You have the Chiefs who, yeah, I think they're really good and going to peak. But that does, I could very well see them getting down early like they always do to a team like Cincy and someone like Joe Burrow playing hero and beating them. So I could, I, though I don't think we can beat the Chiefs, I think somebody can hero up and beat the Chiefs, and then it's completely up for grabs and none of those teams are better than us. Right, I think so, you can beat anyone else in the AFC. Yeah, Especially, I, like I think the way you match up with those other teams in the AFC, you're not going to have to score a lot of points anyway. And I think your defense can win you a lot of those games against pretty much anyone not named the Chiefs in the AFC. Right. right. And I think there's some teams that are kind of in a position where I could see Josh Allen or, you know, the Patriots if they play them early. Or, I, I mean, Joe Burrow I could see, you know, kind of coming onto the scene this playoffs with a win like that. So, yeah, I, I could see the Bengals or Bills who are so up and down on a roller coaster this season. I could see one of those two teams – getting hot for one game and, you know, make, making it happen and beating the Chiefs. Those are probably right. the two. I, I think they have the offensive firepower and the quarterbacks to do it. Yeah, and the Chiefs have got down early in, you know, in games and come back. I don't think you're really going to come back against teams with those kind of high-powered quarterbacks. So if they get down early again, 
I could see an upset of the Chiefs. Where at, and then you know that opens opens door, I think, for a Titans run. So that's all I got, folks. I love it. Thank you, Swaff. Absolutely. Is Trucial not there tonight? No, it's it's Christmas time for the Trucial family. Oh, I got you. I got you. Well, y'all enjoy. I look forward to listening on my commute in the morning. All right, brother. Have a good night. Hater Nation, love you. <laughs> great. That was great. I'm glad we were able to bring him on. Bring him on for a good not not just read off his text, but have the real the real deal come on the show. Yeah, I mean and that's the questions. That's all you can hope for. That is straight from the mouth there with Swaff. I that may be the most I've ever agreed with Swaff in like an entire conversation. I think I agreed with just about everything he was saying. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a lot of contention there. No. Well, and I agree. I mean, I think... Uh, I hate it. We we were covering the Titans-Steelers games, game a little bit, but like we said, I mean, ugly game. And it's just going to come down to... what. What's crazy is the number one seed is still on the table for the Titans if you win out. If you win out, you basically just... You, you need the... Uh, Patriots and the Chiefs to lose one game. If either of them lose and you went out, you have the number one seed because you have the tiebreaker with the Chiefs and the Patriots would have one more loss than you. I personally don't think that's going to happen. I just don't see this team winning out. I think you got to hope you win one or two more games, whatever it would be, to get the South. Because what? I think the Colts are 8-6. and six, You're sitting at 9-5. and five. You still need to win, I guess, just one game, right? Yeah. Because that would put you at 10-5. and five. Well, and I, w- well, I, I, I was in the camp before yesterday's game that, hey, I would like to see the Colts beat the Patriots, and then that gives us the shot to take the one seed, um, even though the Colts are in the same division. But obviously that didn't happen. So. Right, so now we're thinking, dang it. So now, now it's all systems go, we have to win the division. Right. I don't care about I really I mean, yes, it's a possibility we can take number one and have home field, but I don't even care now. I just want the division. Once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Right. Guarantee that playoff spot. Yeah, because now you look back on it right and you wish the Patriots could have won and you'd be that one you pretty much have the division locked up. Yeah. Actually you would, because the Colts would have seven losses and they wouldn't be able to keep up. Well, we still have to win one game. Well, and uh well, the thing is, the Titans don't even play well as the one seed. So, and historically, we haven't been good as a one seed. So maybe it's better that we're not. Yeah, the last time that it good. happened was when Algie Crumpler fumbled oh, into the end zone. God, that will that. ever forever be etched into my brain. Yeah, like, that is probably one of my most vivid sports memories. And I was—I mean, we weren't—we were not that old. We were—we were like eleven, right? Or no. Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Twelve, maybe. So the fact that I can just remember fat Algie Crumpler God. at the end of his career, just big fat Algie. Gosh, he couldn't move. He didn't have any hands. He he ruined us. That was the greatest Titans team. Well, one of the greatest Titans teams I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and, and he one of the us. best defenses I've ever seen. Oh my sure. gosh, that defense was insane. Yeah, and that it just ruined us. And to circle back around to the Steelers, that. You know, the Titans have not, the Steelers have had our number for a long time, and it started, Will, if you remember in 2008, when we beat them, and Javon Kirst blew his nose into the terrible towel, and Keith Bullock stomped on it along with Lindale White, and ever since then, we just can't, we just cannot overcome the Steelers, and, uh, 
I, th- it, I was thinking about that too. They kind of had our number recently, and yeah. I don't like it because they're not that good. No, I don't either. They're an old AFC Central rival, I believe, and they they just keep taking care of us, and it's it's very painful. But uh, yeah, no. As as far as I think, I mean, the Titans. You just need to play relatively mistake-free football in these last three games. You cannot turn it over like you have been. And if we get Derrick Henry back, we have a shot. But you cannot have Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball 32 times to no-name wide receivers without Derrick Henry and try to win the game, especially when you turn the ball over. I mean, they, they truly do. For everyone bashing Tannehill, I get it. But, I mean, the guy is truly throwing to practice squad guys out there. And... I mean, we've seen it. A guy like Racy McMath, who I think has a lot of upside and maybe isn't necessarily a practice squad guy because he was a draft pick. Um, I mean, that play he had where he just th- the flails the ball up in the air, Ferks or fumble. I mean, fumbles bother me more than anything because they're so – I mean, it's just you not taking care of the football. Like, I get an obvious pick or something, but at least you maybe thought you saw something or got confused by the coverage – you get the ball knocked out, you get the ball knocked out. There's nothing other than you just weren't holding the ball tight enough. So fumbles bother me so much. And what, we had three, I guess, including the kind of the fumbled snap between Tannehill. Oh, my gosh. That's another one. And it's like you, Tannehill even said, he's like, I mean, I don't know how many snaps I've taken from Ben Jones since in the last three years, but that was literally the first time we've ever fumbled. Like, kind of just a fluke thing, but you can, can't afford to have it. Well, you can watch on – I bet you could watch an entire NFL season for the most part and never see that happen. Yeah. Like, and never see a fumbled snap from under center. That does not happen, it doesn't happen in, in the, the NFL. NFL. Right. Like, I mean, that – stuff like – it may just be one of those years, you know, we're, we're really hopeful coming off of, you know, Derrick Henry's – 2000 yard season last year and we get Julio and AJ's there like we're really hopeful but it may just be one of those seasons where the ball doesn't bounce your way and you know on top of having the most injured team in history you can't win like that right I mean all that matters get to the playoffs yeah it's all nothing matters just get there and see if you can steal a couple games I'm excited I mean I uh, Oh, part, trust part me, I'm like still... just wait is just ready for the playoffs to start because I mean, basically, I, I think right now the plan would be, hey, let's win one game or two, whatever we think we need, and then because what I guess if you win one, you got to tie with the Colts to win the division. You got to go ten and seven or eleven and six, whatever's going to equal it out, and you probably probably have a win on the schedule with the Texans at the end of the year. Yeah. But obviously we saw what happened And I there. would say you have a win on the schedule with the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins are hot right now, but they have, they beat up on bad teams. They've beaten the Jets twice and somebody else. I don't remember off the top of my head, but right. well, those, so those should be locks. We'll see with that. But Especially uh, Dolphins, a home game. Right. And, and we talked about, they mentioned Derrick Henry having the possibility coming back before the playoffs. But I think best case scenario is you win one or two of those games and clinch your spot, and you don't bring him back. Especially, you do not want to bring him back too early. Give him plenty of time to rest, and hopefully, can come back for whatever that first playoff game is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and honestly, it's good that the Titans play on Thursday night against the 49ers at home. It's good that we have this game. It's a quick turnaround. Like those guys have no time to think and dwell on yesterday's loss. Like, you don't have time to think about 
the woulda, coulda, shouldas from the Pittsburgh game, you have to start focusing immediately, and I'm sure they already have, probably on the flight home yesterday on the 49ers. The 49ers were in a tough matchup yesterday, sort of, against the Falcons. They ended up winning 31-13, to but 49ers have to prepare just as fast as we do, and they have to fly all the way across the country to come play on Thursday night. So... That makes a big difference. It does tra- make a big the travel difference. travel on a Thursday night game, big deal. So it's, it's good for the Titans, I think, to have a quick turnaround game like this. And then um, I'm hopeful I think we'll win. And then, you know, you get extra time to prepare for the Dolphins, you know, over a week. It's like a little mini buy you get that weekend. But um, I think we match up well with the 49ers because our defense is so stout. I think they're going to give Jimmy Garoppolo fits. The 49ers like to run the ball. Well, guess what? As last time I checked, we had the second best run defense in the league. It might even be the best now after this past weekend when the Steelers could not run the ball whatsoever. Right. They run their offense through Debo, so the key's just stopping him. Right. And Zach Cunningham, welcome to the party. He's been he was flying around. Yeah, he led the team in tackles. Yeah. Good so him. that's a big pickup. AJ Brown is maybe going to play. See, I mean, and I'm at the point. Do I even want AJ Brown? That's back? the thing. If you can, if you think you have a shot without him, don't play him. I don't want anyone getting it, uh, seriously hurt right before the playoffs. Well, neither do I. But but you we, might need we, him. We, we just don't. need him to play. <laughs> but the thing yeah. is, no, I that's agree. Normally, what I would say is yes, but uh, judging by the past four games, we don't have a shot to do that. We're in case you've forgotten, we've lost three of the last four. There's a bye week in there too, but. Going yeah. three, winning, being one in three in four games is not good. Um, so you got to play better. You got to play better. You can't turn the ball over. The defense has to carry the team as of right now. God, if we had Derrick Henry, dude, totally different story. I mean, there's two or three more wins that you oh, can yeah. just throw on there. You don't have sure. you don't have Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard fumbles, right? Which, in credit to Foreman, he actually had a pretty good game. He had that big fourth down conversion when he was basically limping. Yeah. So good for him. No, he had a great game. He's been playing well. I, I like him as the backup. I do, too. Yeah, exactly. Like him as the backup and maybe Hilliard in like a weird kind of third down role every now and then. But with McNichols, kind of back? Did he even... He played. He, he played. played. But the Titans, they, they've been doing weird stuff. They've been running too many like screen plays. It's predictable. Their play calling is weird. I don't like the play Which calling I they've been a doing. a lot earlier in the year, but something's happened. I don't know if Downing's having trouble getting away from his just like bread and butter maybe. So I, I, I don't know. I, I know when Derrick Henry initially got hurt, they were going to be – they were saying, well, we're not going to have to change our offense that much. Well, it looks like you have. I think, yeah, he's, I think the team has had a hard yeah. time adjusting to changing play calls when Derrick Henry's not there and then – on top of that, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are not there the majority of the time. So it's tough. And it's I would not like to be in Todd Downing's shoes right now. No. Think about his job right now, though. Think about your Todd Downing. Oh, you're telling me I got Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry? Cool. Awesome. Oh, actually, no. I don't have any of them. Yeah, because <laughs> they can't play because they're all injured. Yeah, and then, you know. Other guys behind them go down, and you have to bring practice squad guys in to play against NFL teams. It's It's been a total mess. And not having Roger Saffold yesterday was big, too. You saw Aaron Brewer get blown up a few times. 
the, the pass protection has been bad. Not enough people have been talking about that. Vrabel's been talking about it in his press conferences. He's like, dude, we're getting Tannehill hit too much. You can't you can't bash Tannehill too much because you're taking away all his best weapons and you're getting him hit all the time. I mean, he got, I think he got sacked four times and hit seven or something. So, but we'll see. I mean, I mean, I'm excited for this game. This is a game you really need to win coming up on Thursday. I think if you win this game on Thursday, it's a big everyone take a deep breath, sigh of relief type game. So excited for that. And also this week, a lot of a lot of football this week because we got a Tuesday night game because the football team and whoever else they're playing had to reschedule, so they're playing Tuesday night. Well, we also have Rams Seahawks tomorrow. Oh, is that it? Okay. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking. Two about. games or tomorrow. Two games tomorrow. Well, we have football team and Eagles, and then Rams Seahawks. Awesome. Both, both taking place at 6 p.m. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. That. You have to have double screens. Yeah, and then we got a little Bears if, Vikings. If you're into the tonight bowl games, too. if you're into the bowl games, we got a few kind of lower level bowl games this week. Uh, on our way up to Christmas, Reese, let's let's finish it out uh, with a little Christmas segment. I don't even know how what we want to do with this necessarily, but just any any of your kind of favorite Christmas traditions or dishes, maybe. I don't know where we want to go with this because obviously it's a little different than the Thanksgiving snake draft we could do. Right. But yeah, give me some of your Christmas takes, Christmas traditions. Well, I mean, I'll start it off just by saying I think Christmas is the best time of the year. I agree. I, I, everybody is in a good mood. It's wintry, you know, and most of the United States, it's. It's colder. You get a little snow action sometimes. People go out shopping. There's a lot of joy. I mean, there's an entire genre of music dedicated to Christmas. Right. And speaking of that, are you the kind of guy that listens to Christmas music before or after Thanksgiving? And that can also be like, when do you start decorating for Christmas? Yeah, so we usually do, we, we put up the tree Black Friday. Put it up to after Christmas. I like that. And... I don't have a problem with people playing music before Thanksgiving, but I don't just because I'm, I'm not. In the, I'm just not there yet. I'm I don't the same feel like boat. it's because I even this past week I was like, "Holy crap, Christmas is, in a, is a week away," you know. So it takes. I have to be like, "Oh, hey, it's Christmas time," and mm-hmm. I definitely just don't feel that really until December, at least until I start decorating on Black Friday for sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm the same camp with that, and I just. I like Christmas. There's a lot of good movies. People are just people just are overall in a better mood around Christmas. And I think sports are better around Christmas because obviously we're big football guys. This is crunch time for college and the NFL. And on top of having your family around, the joy of the Christmas season, you get great football. So I, I love it. I one of my favorite traditions is we've always done it. Uh, everybody in the family opens up one singular gift on Christmas Eve. You get to open one present. And then, of course, you do all the next ones the ne- next day. But I always like doing that one the night before Christmas. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, no, I love – I'm a big Christmas music guy. And I, Christmas movie guy, for oh, sure. Yes. The cl- like, the classics. Like, yes. obviously, I, I like the ones like Christmas Vacation and stuff and Elf and everything – but I like going way back to like It's a Wonderful Life, okay. White Christmas. I love listening to like Bing Crosby and all the old music, the mm-hmm. old class. That to mm-hmm. me feels a lot like Christmas. And then I'll say, oh, one of my favorite traditions on Christmas Eve, we go to my grandma's 
and basically do this big southern like breakfast for dinner. It's we just have always done it, so it's like eggs, hash brown casserole. My grandma makes oh, the best hash brown casserole gosh. on earth. And then not only like not only all the bacon and biscuits and everything you can eat, but the country ham is what does it for me. I'm getting hungry and my mouth is watering just now, but she makes a big old plate of country ham. It doesn't it doesn't get any more southern than country ham. No. I, just I a think big you old probably... piece of ham that is just doused in salt and you can just feel your body like you can dehydrating feel the, yeah, immediately. You can yeah. feel all the liquids in your body being soaked up by this piece of ham. You can you can damn smell a country ham from a mile away. Oh yeah. Well, and the best part about it is obviously we take it all home, and then the next morning while I'm you make little sandwiches oh, out of yeah, it. Yeah, get some country ham biscuits. Oh, I can't wait. I already can't wait. I think if you had to ask me, the top two country foods are country ham and grits. Yeah. Oh, we also have some cheese grits on the table mm-hmm. for sure. No, I mean. Christmas is also great because I love Thanksgiving. We, you know, everybody listened to us talk about Thanksgiving and the foods and everything, but Christmas is like second Thanksgiving almost. Yeah. You get to, it's one of the only other times, maybe throw Easter in there, but it's one of the only times in the year where everybody gets together and just like eats everything. Mm-hmm. And you eat special foods that you don't normally eat. So this is my only, this is my hot take on Christmas is, while I enjoy kind of the casseroles and stuff, like I said, hash brown casserole, really good. My mom does like the whole black eyed peas stuff and she makes curried lima beans and other things. But I'm not a big ham guy. And honestly, for me, Christmas food, I don't know if, like Thanksgiving, you obviously have your staples. You got your, you got your turkey and mashed potatoes and dressing and everything. But Christmas, I'm a little more back and forth on. And I think whenever I do Christmas, when I'm, you know, not like whenever if we do it at my house or something in in years to come, I think I'm just going whatever whatever you want to eat, we're eating on Christmas. You want some fried chicken? You want some wings and pizza? Let's do it. Let's do it and watch football. I like that. Like br- let's let's bring the casseroles and everything. I but think hey, you... let's also throw in some because uh, I'm just I'm not a big ham guy. Yeah, I'm not the biggest spiral ham guy either i think it has its place in the ranks among holiday foods and i don't think it's something you can completely throw away like you got to keep the traditions alive i think a little bit but if you want to order up a pizza you want to order up some wings you want to go get a milkshake i think you do it i like that uh christmas just free for all maybe do like a christmas potluck yes like thanksgiving you could do a potluck but it's you got to bring in thanksgiving foods but christmas I t- rules are off you bring whatever you want I, I think this sounds really good together Christmas and ribs I agree I don't know why I just thought of that but it, it just sounds like they could go together well you might be onto something you have a plate of ribs you have some some rolls some casserole and then you know you doubt you finish it all with a couple of gingerbreads and a hot <laughs> hot chocolate yeah. good lord but that, speaking of gingerbreads, Christmas is one of the probably the only time of the year where you can eat as many cookies as you want and nobody can say anything to you. Like you can have as many cookies as you want because it's Christmas. It's kind of like candy on Valentine's Day or Easter. Yeah, or ha- Christmas, Halloween. It's like yeah, a, it's a month. Or yeah, Halloween. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the wow, two notable Halloween, candy yeah, holidays. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Christmas, it's a whole season, and everyone's you're baking stuff the, for like a month. That's yeah. a beautiful thing. Everyone's making something. So you're having fudge, you're having brownies, cookies, whatever. Some some uh, peppermint bark. 
yeah. chocolate covered pretzels, whatever. No, I, I love Christmas, dude. It's and and honestly, I can't wait to have kids because then we'll have the excitement of Santa back in our lives. We we will be Santa. Uh, hopefully, that we don't have any children listeners that you know are still riding the Santa train. But Santa is a big part of Christmas, and you know you kind of have this lull in your your teens and twenties and thirties where you don't really have the the excitement and the magic of Santa Claus. So I'm excited to get a little bit older and then have Santa Claus back in the picture. That's what I was going to say. So I think once I got to high school, I mean, obviously I didn't like, I didn't believe in Santa anymore, but I think once I got to high school, Christmas lost a little magic for me, but I still, I mean, I enjoy the whole, I mean, obviously the reason for the season, enjoy celebrating the life of Christ. I enjoy getting family and everything together. But one thing I've heard from some friends I have that are a few years older that have kids and everything, they always talk about how everything about Christmas being so fun when you were a kid, whenever you have kids, is all fun again. Oh, because yeah. the excitement and everything is there, the seat, the the keeping everything under wraps and surprises and whatnot. And yeah. They did tell me some people have told me how they do uh like obviously they say some gifts are from Santa, but if they get their kids like some huge gift or something, oh, they'll be like, that's "No, that's that's for mom and dad. You need to know that. You need to know it's for mom and dad." I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you take the credit for the cool the coolest things, and and Santa, Santa's by far and away the number one holiday mascot. Oh yeah, there's no question. Easter Bunny, we love you, but it's not you. Thanksgiving doesn't even have somebody. Maybe. Uh, 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 Sacagawea. I guess you could say you have the turkey. <laughs> Sacagawea. Yeah. <laughs> or, the turkey, I guess, you, I mean, is pil- a good mascot. Pilgrims and Native Americans. Yeah. I don't you, know. Cup- you, Cupid on Valentine's Day. Well, the Easter Bunny. Uh, this, the United States, for me, on Independence Day is up there, too. But <laughs> Santa, Santa is... If you're doing a Christmas... If you're doing a mascot draft for holidays, Santa... You're, you... Santa's got to be the number one. Santa's pick. number one. He has no. He's number one. He he has little to no flaws in his game. So, I, I love it. I love Christmas, and I'm I'm excited to get a little bit older because I think my appreciation of the entire season will come back a little more. And also, I love, you know, that you talk about the season of giving. It feels really good to get a gift for someone you love, um, and you you put a lot of thought into it. You wrap it or whatever, and then you get to see their excitement of opening it and like you giving something to somebody and I, I really like that too yeah i agree and w- the titans need to give us a playoff berth that would be nice that would be the best present all right guys well thanks again for a great week we appreciate all of y'all listening be sure to check us out remember we are a six-pack coverage six-pack we are part of the six-pack coverage network so be sure to check them out Guys, thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out, Pater Sports on Instagram, Pater underscore sports on Twitter, paterdsports.blog for our website, articles, podcasts, everything you need to know will be on there. And guys, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all next week. Merry Christmas, guys.